Hello and welcome to the Scuttlebutt Podcast. Our guest today is Austin Alexander, Austin's former Navy um, and now the founder and CEO of Battle Bunker, YouTube series on fitness. Austin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. <laughs> we're, we're looking forward to it. Uh, give us the, the introduction. Tell us how you got here, why you joined the military and uh, what brings you here today. I'm, uh, I'm 29 years old. Originally born in the small town of Florence, Alabama, and grew up in a household of one brother, mom and a dad. My mom was a school teacher. My dad was a mechanic or uh, a builder. And I graduated high school in 2010. I'm, I'm giving you the full backstory. Yeah, no, please, um, please. We actually want you to start like, what what day were you born? What's your, <laughs> your June twelfth at nine a.m. Okay, <laughs> hospital was, name like the nurse, like okay. Nurse, I was born at ECM. Nurse's name was Emma. I was nine <laughs> pounds and seven ounces. I was a fat baby. Damn, Woo. yeah, you were a fat baby. Holy shit! Yeah, I was chunky. <laughs> yeah, and um, then basically out of the womb, I joined the Navy and <laughs> did seven years. Got out of the Navy in 20, when was it? 2020? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a great time. <laughs> just funny. a great time. That just yes, uh, a wonderful so, so time. <laughs> uh, and uh, so you were an MA, correct? Yes. Was that the original intent on joining or what? Um, you just wanted no, to like I, put people in handcuffs and, and just no, not, yell not at, at people? Not at all. I um, I would always break the rules. I never saw myself enforcing the rules. But when I joined the Navy, I so I went into the office. So I'll I'll, I'll give you that story. So all right, all right. <laughs> there I was, graduated high school. We'll pick up from there. And I thought, you know, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I guess it was college, you know, back then I was like, I got to go to college. So I applied for a few grants. I got, got awarded the Pell Grant because of my parents' income was low. So we qualified for the, the federal Pell Grant. So it allowed my brother and I to go to school. He took welding and I took electrical technology for um, installing like electrical in people's cars. So I, I was really into sound systems back then. I thought I wanted to do it full time. I had I had not experienced enough in life to know what I wanted to do. And so I just saw that like, well, I guess I'll, you know, be a sound engineer for people's vehicles and boats and whatnot. So I started going to college for that. And then probably two semesters into it, I just quit going. I was like, fuck this. I hate it. Like the college, this, the schoolwork was like, I did not keep up with it. I was playing video games. I just wasn't interested. And I mean, that's what it boiled down to. I wasn't interested in what I was going to school for. So shortly after that, I said, well, I guess I'll just take the job route. And so I got a full-time job with the city of Florence cutting grass. And there I learned a lot. I learned a lot about responsibility. I learned a lot about, um, you know, taking care of equipment. And about two years after working there, I thought I had it made. I was like, I'm going to work for the city of Florence. This is, you know, I've got benefits. I'm making $7.55 an hour. This is great. 
and <laughs> really making it, you know? Yeah. Back <laughs> yeah. then, I was, I had no aspirations to become more. I just wanted to scoot by, you yeah. know, and which is sad because, you know, I wasted a lot of years of my life just not caring. And after about two years of working there, my friend Taylor says, hey, come to the Navy recruiting office with me. And I was like, no, dude, I'm not going there. I'm not joining the Navy. You're not going to, you know, corner me into this military thing. And he's like, no, just just tag along. He said, I'm, I'm going to, you know, get some more information, but just tag along. We can go to the gym after or whatever. I said, all right. So I waltzed into the recruiting office with him and the Navy recruiter, Chief Thornton, just looked at me and he said, you going to join too? And I was like, nah, fuck that. I'm not, nah, I don't want to join. <laughs> and um, he's like, okay. And that's all he said to me. And I thought it was weird because recruiters usually, you know, usually they're on your case about trying to hand you pamphlets and getting to join and, Anyways, Taylor was signing the paperwork. Little did I know, but he was he was about to go to MEPS. And when I left, Chief Thornton handed me a, a pamphlet, a Navy SEAL pamphlet. And I was like, took it home, looked at it overnight. And I was like, you know what? I don't really have anything else going for me. This could be my opportunity to, to shoot for more. And I'm kind of the split, split decision type person. I like to make decisions and figure it out on my way, uh, you know, on, on my own. So I went back the next day by myself. I said, sign me up for this Navy thing. And he's like, all right. So I filled out paperwork. Next thing you know, I was going to MEPS. And, of course, everybody's like, oh, I want to be a Navy SEAL. I want to be a Navy SEAL. I did the same thing. I went in there. I said, I want to be a Navy SEAL. They said, you can't. Your eyesight's, your eyesight is too bad, but you can be uh, EOD or dive. And I was like, well, Diver looks cool. So that's how, uh, I'm sorry, they gave me the rate of IT, Informations Technician. And I was taking physical screening tests for seven months, every, every month, sometimes two or three times a month, in order to get contracted for Dive. And seven months later, I did. I, I earned the diver contract and went to boot camp in the 800 division as ND or Navy diver. Were you in good shape back then? Because obviously your your whole like YouTube channel and all, it's is very much so revolved around fitness. So you're obviously in good shape. Were you pretty like physically fit? I know you'd said that Taylor was like, "We'll go to the gym after." Were you in yeah, good shape was, then? Nah, it was it was basically just decent body composition. You know, I was six three. I was like 180 or 190 back then. I had started to lift a little bit. I had gone through this journey of, you know, throughout high school, I was really, really skinny. And then I just started eating like shit and I just gained a lot of weight and I got fat. So yeah, when I'm, when I started to take those physical screening tests, it was a kick in the nuts because I had to run a lot. I was swimming literally every single day and every single morning at the YMCA. I ran so much. I was running around this small track that I was constantly like this, like running on the side, you know, and it, I messed up my hips a little bit. I got to where my hips would hurt so bad because I never ran the opposite way, which was stupid to me. I don't know why, but my right leg became 
longer than my left leg because I was running around that track so much. That's how much I was running. And yeah, I was doing a lot. I mentioned that to, to kind of put emphasis on how much I was working towards sure, sure. getting that contract. And yeah, I earned the contract. I think it was sometime in like October, 2013. And they may have been November and they put me on the first bus out to boot camp December 9th, 2013. Where's the transition to the, the MA? Where, where's that, that break happen? So I graduate, uh, I'm sorry. So I get an infection in my knee called cellulitis and it was really bad. I was in the hospital for seven plus days. My leg was, I tell people this all the time. Nobody, nobody believes me. My leg was literally double the size as my left leg. And because I had waited so long, I had popped a bump on my knee. This is getting towards like two weeks away from graduation. And my leg had become so inflamed and so infected. I was trying to not go to medical and just push towards the graduation. But I had waited so long that infection had spread throughout my whole leg. And I was hospitalized and... I could barely walk. The pain was so bad and it swole, it swelled my bursa sac, which is the protective. It's like an airbag under your kneecap. It protects your knee joint and it was swollen. So it prevented me bending. So after I came back, they put me on LLD in a temporary holding unit and uh, in boot camp, which sucked. I was on hold in there for like three or four or five weeks. It was a nightmare. Stayed on hold in there and I was chatting with a lieutenant. She was a medical lieutenant and I would go get checkups with her like every three days or whatever. And basically I said, look, LT, you've got to clear me fit for full duty, please. I can't take it in THU anymore. I'm depressed, blah, blah, blah. So she wrote me off fit for, uh, fit for full duty. And I went back to a random division, didn't know anybody in there. I went through the final PRT. I passed the final PRT. Final run was like 12 minutes and 10 seconds, like barely make the cutoff. I think it's 1230 for. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And that same night I went to battle stations and graduated battle stations. After that, I went to across the street to um, training service center, and that's where I classed up for dive prep. I went through four weeks of BEC, basic engineering common core, which teaches you stuff about the ship, like a bunch of random shit that I probably didn't even need to be learning at the time. And then we went into three weeks of, of pool week. And first week was cool. Second week was cool. Third week, that's where I wasn't able to pass the final in-water procedure. They sent me to reclass, and I saw this, the shortest A school on there was, was MA. My whole career to that point was just a big hold. And I was like, I need to have a rate, and I need to go, and, go ahead and go into the, the fleet or big Navy or whatever. So picked MA. From there, I was on another three-week hold, which is really, really fun because I was, you know, out of boot camp. I had a little bit of liberty. I made a fake phase three liberty card. It was great. And 
if you really yeah yeah because at oh, that point man. i was i was in um the uss cole at training service center did any of you guys go there no mm -hmm. okay so it's right across the road from rtc i was just having a great time and this i'll tell the story i haven't really I've never told this story on a podcast before, so you guys are going to get it if that's okay. Heck yeah. so, Let, let's hear it. Let it rip. Exclusive content. Yeah. And again, nobody believes me when I tell them this, but I'll, I'll tell you guys anyways. So I was in the USS Cole when I was going through Navy dive prep and the pre-buds class was there too. About two weeks into my training, they tried moving the dive guys from the USS Cole to the Nimitz, which <coughs> they named the barracks after ships. So a lot of my dive guys and classmates went over to the Nimitz and it was like a big party over there. But for some reason, they didn't get me. I was still rooming with this guy named Barilovich. He was like 6'4", 210 pounds solid. He was a pre-buds guy. And so that means their inspections were my inspections because I was in the room with, um, I was bunking with Barilovich and then you had a guy next door named Slinger and I think a, another guy's last name was Tash or something. They were all pre-buds and I wasn't. The reason I was stuck in the coal is because I got there at an awkward time because I was on hold from dive prep. And they weren't used to having dive guys come in yet. So they just kind of stuck me in the coal. So David Goggins, Chief Goggins at the time, was the instructor, was the one of the lead instructors for pre-buds over there. A lot of people don't know this. But oh, what? Uh, now we're yeah. getting into something Whoa, here. All right? That's crazy. Yeah, as, as soon as I got there, that's all I heard. Goggins this, Goggins that. That was before he was an author. It was before, you know, everybody, anybody knew a lot about him, but he was, he was active duty and he was one of the instructors there. And you would always see him like running with the pre-buds guys. He'd be the first person out the gate. They would go through, you know, seven, 10 mile crazy runs and everybody around campus would be like, there's chief, there's chief. And, and you know, he's just leading the pack. Like he's some sort of a celebrity before he was really a celebrity. Exactly. Well, we just saw him as like a beast mode chief. And I, sure, I, yeah, I had yeah. seen two of them before, but he wasn't as renowned as he is now. So Barilovich was the class leader, lucky for me, because they would always fuck with Barilovich and his room and and which was my room and and everything. So <clears throat> there it was. It was like probably two thirty in the morning. I had just came down with a fever and I was SIQ in my rack. So I had the SIQ chit that you had to tape on your rack in, in a school. And so here I, I hear Goggins running down the hallway, looking for Brilovich, trying to get the, the class leader up and making sure the rooms were inspected and everything. And you hear Brilovich, Brilovich, and Brilovich is already up, you know, he's, he's shaving, whatever, putting on, I mean, like getting his gear on, putting his boots on everything. And they didn't know when the inspections are supposed to come. Oh, you like, you like the Zens too? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. I, uh, I used to dip a lot 
when yeah. I was in the Navy and uh, you can't really do that when you sell cars. So, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I switched Dude, over. You got to uh, off subject here. You got to, you got to keep it on your tongue for like a good minute to, to moisten it up and then put it in your lip. I'll, I'm going to give it a whirl. Hold on. It, if it gets, if it gets locked in your lip, it, it doesn't get a lot of moisture. Yeah. There you go. I'm a Zen pro. Anyways. Okay. Back to the Goggins story. <laughs> So also a Zen influencer as we're yeah. <laughs> oh, me, yeah, use my code at the gas station. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that's the that's the whole jingle. It's like use Austin 10 for some good Zen. Oh <laughs> man. <laughs> this is why he's good on the camera. That's right. Oh that's man. Right. Oh, okay. Serious business. This is about Goggins. That's okay. right. Let's lock it in. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, I hear Goggins running down the hallway and Brilovich is up, you know, Slinger's up They're They're up cleaning. They're getting the rest of their classmates or whatever. And um, they, everybody's lining up outside for inspection. They're getting inspected by like five or six SEAL instructors. And David Goggins just going ham, running down the hallway, jumping off the walls, beating on stuff like just just super. As you would expect yeah. from David Goggins. Yeah. yeah. And. Then I'm sitting there like, oh, fuck, like, glad I'm not a part of this. This sucks. And then all of a sudden, you hear David stop at our room. And it was a straight shot that looked from the front door into my rack. And here comes Goggins running straight towards me. He's like, what the fuck? Get out of your fucking rack. Like, just going ham on me. And so I'm, like, startled, thinking, like, I didn't even know I was a part of this. So I start to get up. Brilovich runs back. He's like, instructor guy, instructor guy, he's dive, he's dive guy, he's dive guy, he's not a pre-bud, he's not supposed to be doing the inspection, blah, blah, blah. So Goggins looks back from Brilovich and looks at me, and I'm like halfway startled out of my rack with the SIQ chair. He looks down, he looks at the SIQ chair, it's somewhat a little dark in there, and looks at me, he's like, get back in your rack. And I was like, so traumatized, like, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> Two seconds ago, this guy's telling me to get out, now he's telling me to get back in, so... And he leans down, grabs the covers, tucks me in a little, and he's like, I'm sorry about that. Sorry. Uh, you know, get some sleep. You're sick. You know, just really calmly. Fucking he, tucks you back into your rack. <laughs> turns back around. And I don't know how walks. many people can say David Goggins has tucked me into bed before, but you're one of maybe seven, eight. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's, that's the only one. I don't know if he's yeah. married, but his wife hasn't even been tucked in by anyone. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't well, get I too think, comfortable. Honestly, I think because he knew that he could get in trouble for oh, yeah. for that happening, especially like in the Navy, if you're SIQ, you're like basically untouchable. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's why he did that. But I don't tell that story a lot because a lot of people, they're like, whatever, you know, but 100% true story. Oh, I, I, I believe you. That's funny. That's crazy. Yeah. I remember Brilliant. being SIQ for uh, an inspection that was happening like in some other division. And you don't really realize that you are untouchable until kind of like later on. And I remember just like laying there like perfectly straight and just like, maybe if I don't move, they like won't see me, you know, like you're just like trying to be like attention, like in your rack, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, God, uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. That was, yeah, 100%. I mean, back then I was I was scared of everything. So I didn't even know SIQ meant basically like invincible. 
So yeah, that, that's why he did that. I'm sure he just wanted trying to be nice. So I wouldn't mention it to anybody or, or tell anybody. Yeah. So have you, yeah. uh, have you ever reached out to him or talked to him? No, he wouldn't, you know, he, he experienced hundreds of new people a day back then being an yeah. instructor. So, um, no. If you ever get a chance to, to talk to him, that would be a really funny story to. hundred percent. I was on his live the other day and I was, I was requesting him and I was going to mention it like, yo, you, you know, almost made me get out of my rack, rack back in 2004, early 2014. I was, you know, SIQ and you thought I was a part of the pre-bud and uh, I'm, I'm going to mention Brilovich because I know he would remember Brilovich because <clears throat> Brilovich was a stud and he, he, he would remember him. Yeah. Maybe that see if so like funny. you can go tuck him in one night, you know, or one <laughs> even the scoreboard a little bit. That's right. You might think that's a little weird. Hey, hey, uh, Goggins, can I tuck you in one night? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's He'd be true. like, what the hell? Yeah. You put I that in your email in. subject line, you know. That's right. He's yeah. like, I don't even sleep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, so, yeah. so you, so you do that, you, you go and, and I assume you end up choosing MA and you or you transfer and then, then you go through that schooling and you do that. Yep. Um, you start doing YouTube while you're in, right? Yep. Like, well, okay. What is that? How does that happen? Like, are you, it, it all started out with fitness. Am I correct? There was like a couple of things with fitness, Correct. but then you're also focusing on like military life, like day in the life of a MA or sailor or whatever. Yeah. Uh, um, which I'm sure blew up. Yeah. So, so I was in a lot of debt. I don't talk about this a lot either. I was in a lot of debt. I had racked up a lot of debt from, from foods on credit cards and just stupid spending. And I guess at the time it didn't click that I was going to have to pay it back. Um, so when I got there. to Sil Beach, yeah, I, when I got to Sill Beach, that's where I met Sarah, and she honestly she made me want to be a better person. I needed to get better with my finances. I just that's when I really started trying at life. When I was about twenty five or twenty four years old, I said, you know, there's more to life than just kind of just easing by. And I had joined the Navy and everything, but I was never, never this gung ho. Um, type of, of motivated person. Of course, I would go to work and go to the gym, but that was about it. Didn't care about bettering myself mentally. Didn't care about getting better really at all until I met Sarah. And, you know, she's just this well put together woman from Ohio. She had her bachelor's degree. She was a travel nurse making really good money, way better money than I was. And I never told her that I was in all this debt, but when I met her, came back to Sill Beach, she moved in with me and I was on night shift and I was, the thing that turned me on to all of the entrepreneurial stuff was I watched this video and this 19 year old kid was doing like million and a half on Amazon or whatever. I was like, there's no reason I can't have that. So I started studying ways that I could get out of this debt. Amazon FBA, e-commerce, stock option trading. Um, everything except YouTube. And I tried all that stuff. This was 2018 throughout the year, you know, started in like February and then March, April, May, June. And Sarah said, why don't you try? Why don't you um, 
you know, I think she said, why don't you quit wasting your time with all that and just start posting YouTube videos, which is what, you know, I think I had like one or two videos on my channel at the time. I had created a deployment video back in 2017. And, um, that's what led to the success is I just enjoyed doing it. I didn't care how much money I'd made. I didn't care, you know, if, it, if I was earning or not. I just really enjoyed posting YouTube videos. So that's how it started. I just would think of topics, how to join the Navy, why you should join the Navy, day in the life, you know, fitness, chess day, fitness and, and military. It was my life. It was everything that I did. And <clears throat> I started learning the editing softwares again and and cameras and just started filming and, and making videos. And it wasn't until a few months later that I got my first paycheck by the end of the year. I think it was like 30 bucks or like 13 bucks or something like that. I never saw it as a viable source of income uh, until the next year, 2019 May. I made a video titled Miss Bikini Olympia attempts the Navy physical readiness test. And it was just a friend of mine. I had filmed videos for her before I said, Hey, let's make a YouTube video invited her out. And I conducted the PRT with her and the video posted it regular performance. It got like, you know, thousand views or whatnot. Like two weeks later, overnight, it had shot up to like three and a half million, four million views, and it completely <coughs> changed the outlook of my channel. I learned a lot from it. I just basically used that video as, hey, I need to create more like this. So I started branching out. Crossfitters attempt the physical readiness test. Kaylin Ohashi does a Marine Corps course. Markiplier, James Charles, and... I just kept posting and the subscribers kept coming and the revenue kept increasing. And that's how I got my start on YouTube. Wow. So I, I guess for anybody who is unfamiliar with you and uh, you've been doing this for like some time now, and even when you had the YouTube channel, I've uh, listened to a couple of your former interviews and you talk about like kind of always being interested in, in videography and like creating yeah. videos. Is that something that you just used to do for fun or um, just pick up a camera or not everybody, like a lot of people feel uncomfortable getting in front of the camera, you know? Yeah. And I did too. Yeah. I was always a behind the camera type of guy. Mm -hmm. uh, I produced a show in high school called current events. <clears throat> this was, seventh grade so 2010 minus five this was 2005 and i had this little jvc avario camera that which i had saved up and bought and we were going to this new class called current events so the teacher said i'm gonna be honest guys this is my first time teaching she was like 22 at the time she said they put me in charge of this class called current events it's an elective i don't know what to do and immediately I stood up, I said, let's make a news show for the entire school weekly and we'll watch it on, you know, Monday or Friday. She said, I love that idea. Let's do it. So I brought the camera to school. We started filming here and there. We structured a little <clears throat> like a little six minute news show called Kurt Events. And 
I was the guy behind the camera. I was doing all the editing. I had pirated a version of Sony Vegas Pro 8, and I was editing with it. <laughs> Good times. Different times back then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Downloaded yeah. it off of uh, uTorrent. And, right. Uh, that's so funny. <laughs> I actually think it was uh, LimeWire or something like that. I don't know. Oh, man. Oh, well, now way we're old school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And we whipped up this show, and people loved it so much. I... I started burning them on DVDs and selling each episode for five dollars, or like all the episodes combined for ten dollars, and I made like ninety bucks. You know, I mean, it was great back <laughs> then. It was ninety bucks can go a long way in Alabama in two thousand five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So especially I as did, a high schooler. Yeah, yeah. So I just really enjoyed. When other people were watching current events, I was watching other people. I was seeing their reactions. I fell in love with being able to control the the storyline and then seeing somebody else's reaction to it and then thinking like, hey, we created this from scratch. Now it's it's forming a, a mood and an expression in somebody else. So I, I really love that fact. And what was like the mood or like expression that you were going for? Did you enjoy? I, I don't know the format <laughs> of the current news. Was it like, it was, was funny. It a funny it was all funny it was like okay so probably making people laugh and stuff is yeah. probably like really satisfying exactly we would do fake commercials and stuff like that and when everybody would laugh they would look back at me and i'd be like yeah i know i'm funny yeah, what's up? <laughs> yeah. so um yeah i just really enjoyed seeing people laugh and and being able to control their emotion by video and that's where that's what gave me the the interest to create the deployment video i said you know it'd be cool to create a video and i brought a little camera with me took me seven months to make this seven minute video on youtube and that kind of broke the ice of me posting on youtube i always thought hey youtube's only for the big dogs you know i'm not good enough to be on youtube blah 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 and I finally thought that video was good enough to put on YouTube, so I did. And it kind of broke the ice for me and it allowed me to keep, keep posting more. That's crazy because that, that was literally so early for YouTube. I mean, like we're still kind of expanding the bounds of like, you know, the, the viewership and the reach of YouTube. But like that's <clears throat> so um, anecdotal to so many things that like you don't really know how early you are in something because there's always going to be somebody that's like at the top and you're yeah. like mm -hmm. just how just somehow starting out and like you're comparing yourself to somebody who's been doing it forever you know mm -hmm. yeah well and i i feel like that's so we were talking before we had started recording but that's one of the things that that i do for fun is is i have my own youtube channel that I have like 500 subscribers on. Um, so it's like not big at all, but like I started it, I don't know, a year ago. And it's the same thing where it's like, man, there's like so many top dogs in here with millions of subscribers, hundreds of thousands of like, why, why would I do it other than the fact that I enjoy it, but you get like, you get a one, your first video that gets, you know, does decently well. And then you start seeing the subscribers go up and comments of people like, dude, thank you. Like, love this video. And, and it just like motivates you to, to like, keep going. Your, that one that you were talking about with, was it Miss Olympia? Yeah. Miss Bikini Olympia. Yeah. Miss Bikini Olympia. So that was like one of your, was that your third, fourth video that you had posted on your channel? 
that was like my 40th video. Oh, okay. God, I apologize. Yeah, so I, um, no, no, it's all good. So I put you, a lot of solid work in before that video. Gotcha, gotcha. So, like, what is your what did your your channel look like before that? Like, subscriber wise, views, stuff like that. I think I was at like 20k, 25k subscribers. Okay, I was monetized finally. I was making like 30, 40 bucks, and then that was my first video over a million views, and it was just, I mean life-changing for the channel for me because i saw the potential of of earnings and how to make a good video and yeah it just kind of opened my eyes a lot like a big big light bulb moment there yeah like oh this is like this is it i got you yeah what was the uh I, what was your like intent going into you know um you talk about Sarah encouraging you to like make YouTube videos. And I'm not sure where that lines up in the story. We're kind of like bouncing back and forth, but you know, you putting up a, your deployment video, talk about like getting the courage to like finally put that up. Like, do you just think, Oh, like maybe this is something that like my friends and family will watch. Um, I, I think early on, there's this concept of not only are you instantly comparing yourself to the best people in the space, but mm -hmm. you're also like, who gives a shit about this? Like, I think that it's easy to see like day in the life type stuff from like really, really big people that have been around for a long time. And you're like, oh, maybe I should just do that. But then you also don't realize that like nobody knows who you are yet. Like they don't care about that day in the life stuff until you're kind of you've established kind of some rapport a little bit or like yeah. you've been around for long enough where people are actually interested to hear about that. Um, so I guess what was your kind of motivation for for posting that i had made a few short videos before i did um you know gerada island we went to dubai kind of like vlog style stuff mm -hmm. never never thought about sharing them to youtube because i just thought they weren't good enough i was just making them to share them with family and friends on facebook yeah a lot more comfortable with facebook you know i saw facebook as like this enclosed little space that i could share <laughs> and i saw youtube as just this wide open ocean of, of content and viewers and everything. So I was afraid of the judgment from YouTube. So that's why I never posted. But with the deployment video, I had YouTube in mind. I said, this needs to be so good that in case I want to post it on YouTube, I, I you know, have the willingness to do so. And that's what I did. I created the video posted on Facebook. Everybody's like, you should post this on YouTube. So I started a channel. I think I probably didn't even name it, but I posted it and the video, it didn't really blow up. It got like hundred views, 300 views, you know, up towards probably 15,000, 10,000, 15,000 at the time. And when I started posting, I didn't even have a thousand subscribers. I had like 120. I found a picture in my phone the other day. I screenshotted. It said I was at like 124 subscribers. And let me try to find the picture. Um, so it was still a really, really small channel when I started posting consistently. Mm. Yeah. And I can't find it. Um <clears throat> Yeah, so Sarah, to answer your question, 
she knew that I wanted to be a YouTuber and, and post on YouTube. So that's where she got the, Hey, why don't you, you know, post videos on YouTube? Like stop worrying about all that other BS and trying to make money. Cause she didn't know I was in debt. She was, she just said, why don't you keep posting on YouTube? You know, <clears throat> share your videos, do this, do that. I said, okay. So I started doing it. What and is the, sorry, go ahead. You can finish my bad. I was about to say after the deployment video, I would do random videos like, like I said before, increase your push-ups for the military test, how to do this, like a lot of how-tos, military money, stuff like that. So you started you started kind of producing YouTube videos, and then you have this one that gets like millions of views. What is the monetary increase there? Like, like it, it, I assume you got a big payout for three and a half million views. Is um, then like, oh shit, like I need to double down on these. It wasn't a big increase like you would think because <clears throat> on YouTube, as you know, there are five different ad types. There's banner ads, desktop ads, skippable, non-skippable, and overlay. And I would never enable all of those. I would just mm -hmm. enable one, like display ads, because I didn't want to cram the audience experience, blah, blah, blah. And <clears throat> when the Miss Bikini Olympia, uh, Olympia video was popping, I had one ad type enabled and I saw the analytics jump up, but the money, it just jumped up like 50 bucks or like 150 bucks. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, that's a start. That's a lot more than what I'd been earning. And after like a million, million and a half, two million views, somebody in the comments was like, dude, you should put all the ad types on this video. What are you doing? This is, you know, get paid and I looked into it and I was like, hmm, you're right. So I enabled all the ad types and then <clears throat> another million views, million and a half views. It did like six or $7,000. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, this is pretty nice. Sure. Biggest paycheck from, from YouTube. It was, you know, a few thousand dollars. I was like, dang, if, if I could do this on this one, then I'll just enable all ad types for next video. So I did a video very similar, CrossFitters attempt the Navy physical range test. It blew up 3 million views. I think I did like $10,000 off of it. And I was like, well, I'll just do it again. And so I just kind of kept replicating that process. And this was without mid-rolls because I didn't know about mid-rolls, how to properly place the ads. And progressing into 2019, I found out how to place mid-roll ads, which is a game changer. It can- Okay, so Tim is into YouTube, I am not. And I'm gonna assume okay. that probably a bunch of people on listening are have no idea what that is. Uh, what is yes. a mid-roll? Give us kind of the explanation so, of like how ads work with YouTube. Okay, so I'll, I'll, for example, you have this, let's do this remote. This is a video, this is from start to finish. Okay. So, you know, this is a 10 minute video on YouTube. When you start watching the video, you see an ad right here. And then usually when it ends, there's another ad, which a lot of people don't watch, but right here, somewhere in the middle, maybe two, three minutes in, you can place a mid roll ad. So they're watching and then bam, you get hit with an ad and then you mm -hmm. keep watching and then bam, you get hit with an ad right here and then it ends and you get hit with an ad. You can add those mid rolls yourself. <clears throat> So when you're watching a YouTube creator and you're like, 
you see that thing that says add three, two, one, it shows an ad. They're placing those. It's not YouTube. It's the creator. And I, I had learned about those in 2019. Um, <clears throat> after these big million view video hits and everything. So I said, okay, I'll just replicate the process and I'll add a few mid rolls in there. I made a long video, 17 minutes. It was U.S. Marine attempts the Navy physical screen test. And it was a ad revenue project. I said, let's you know mix a formula enough to get this video up in views and with the ad revenue and everything. And it worked. It had a high click-through rate. It had a high watch time. And I placed a few mid-rolls in there. And that was my highest earning month on YouTube so far. I mean, like, since up I had started, point. yeah, up to that point. And I think I probably did $22,000 in December of 2019. And I was still working with the Navy getting paid, you know, 4,200. And I'm like, well, this doesn't really make sense for me to keep staying in the Navy. So we roll into 2020. January was a great month. February was a great month. I was earning you know, seven to 10 to 15 to $20,000 on, on YouTube, not even taking any sponsors in. And I said, well, this is great. You know, I'm slaving away for the Navy, making like 4,300 bucks a month. Good benefits though. And here I'm on YouTube doing this part time, just kind of piddling around making 10, 15,000 a month. And <clears throat> then I started working with little sponsors uh, increased, you know, the revenue to like consistent 10 K across the board. You know, sometimes it would be 15 K 20 K per month. And it got to the point where I had to say that I had, that I wanted to get out or stay in. And I love the Navy. I had a blast in the Navy the last seven years, but it came to this point where I needed to pursue creation full time because just part time I was doing, you know, pretty good numbers. I was able to fund a lot of stuff and a lot of projects and getting new gear and just keep expanding. And that's what I did. I got out in November, 2020. What the, I'm curious. So you, you've been making time for like creating videos while you're in, one that's that's kind of an impressive thing anyway because we've had this conversation on other recordings and um i just something that i talk about a lot is there's just not a lot of people that like do things like that that are in like that people having yeah. like side gigs and like extra jobs and like content stuff like people don't do that like it's the military and just maybe the navy's um, it, it just feels like kind of a weight and it almost feels like it keeps you from doing other yeah. things. Did you feel that? How did you overcome that? And what are people around you kind of thinking about during that time? Are they like making fun of you? Are they like saying we're making cracks at work? Like probably not if you're being like, well, I made 20 grand in YouTube revenue last month, but well, I would never share that with any anybody there because that's the quickest way to, you know, add thought, add fuel to the the flame of them not being happy with what I was doing. When I first started, 
posted on YouTube. They're like, oh, dude, I saw your video. You know, nobody really cared. But it wasn't until the Miss Bikini Olympia video that I started getting some hate. I had Chiefs saying, this this guy from San Diego shared the video with, with me. You know, what the fuck are you doing wearing that that uh, gold belt? That's for Chiefs only. I was like, well, I got it from my chief in Bahrain. You know, I was expeditionary and like just picking at every little thing in the video because they saw I had some viewership. And I think there was a little a little bit of jealousy involved in there. Um, my close circle, the people that knew me well, didn't care. They're like, okay, it's cool. You know, a cool video, dude. Like <clears throat> I was the same off camera than I was on camera. So they had no issue with it. But it was until it started getting to the people that didn't know me. They're thinking, oh, here's this douchebag sailor that's posting these videos and and doing official stuff that's kind of unofficial and that's when they started kind of to chase me down a little bit um they didn't know my earnings never shared never shared my earnings which i mean i could have but that's the quickest way to make people around you in your direct circle either angry or feel some type of way so <clears throat> i was just doing my thing you know i was just having a, having fun with it not really caring about I had people in the comments, I'm a chief from, you know, um, whatever, command, and like just using rank over a YouTube comment. I just thought that was the stupidest thing ever. Like people trying to flex their rank. I'm a lieutenant at, you know, Miramar, and you shouldn't be doing this. Like, anyways, I didn't take anything serious unless it was in my Navy email. Personal email, I didn't really care. People would hop in my personal email all the time and say, your boot was untied, blah, blah, blah. What are you doing, shipmate? Like, just trying to flex so hard. Well, hitting him with the shipmate. Oh, gosh. Yeah, dude, <laughs> I, got, I still get that. <clears throat> yeah. You know? And um, so, anyways, yeah, to the direct people around me, it wasn't a problem. But for people that didn't know me, that's where it became a problem in, in the Navy. And I was investigated by NCIS and – then an admiral from chief of information came down and said, I love your videos. Keep doing what you're doing. He gave me a coin. It was a, it was a crazy ride. What, what was people's problem with it? I mean, obviously there may be some jealousy at the lower ranks or whatever, but where, what does NCIS get involved for? So they, <clears throat> I'd posted a, a product sponsorship on the same timeline on Instagram that I had been posting the military uniform and mm -hmm. They were like, well, he's promoting product in uniform, but no, let's investigate it because he doesn't have a product in a uniform photos. So their issue was it can be perceived that the Navy was sponsoring this protein powder, um, even though there's no link and no connection between the two. Somebody from a ship told NCIS and a week prior, I had reached out to that ship. I said, hey, my name's Austin. I like to make YouTube videos. Can I come on and do a tour? And the PAO was like, no, I'm sorry. We can't allow that. And then he looked into my stuff and he just tried his hardest to, to try to find something to take me down, which there was nothing out there that I could get in trouble for. But NCIS had to investigate because this was coming from a Navy PAO public affairs office. You guys know what that is. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> yeah, they just put me under investigation. I was like, 
Okay. So I was adhering to everything, you know, went in, chatted with the LT. He's like, by the way, I watched some of your videos. I, I see no problem here. You know, you have, he said, I had to watch like 20 hours of your videos to find something. He said, I couldn't <laughs> find anything. I said, well, I know. I'm pretty Thanks for supporting the channel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm pretty squared away. So do you have to be like soup? Were you like super conscious of that? Or was it like a happy coincidence that like they didn't find anything? Or did you know the rules? Like, okay, I obviously, I knew the, I, okay. Knew the rules. I had gone through an ethics training class. I had, I was very well versed with the book, even though there were a lot of gray areas, I knew that you can't involve sponsorships with military uniform or military rank. So I couldn't be like, Hey, I made two Alexander drink super coffee. This is great. And plus, I think that's pointless anyways. It's not, <clears throat> I've seen some people do it to try to increase sales or whatever, but I was my own entity. I was Austin Alexander, you know, he would reach out to me and say, Hey, MA2. I'm like, Dude, no, stop. It's Austin. Easy right. with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and <That's>... um, <clears throat> so here's the fun part. <clears throat> About two weeks into the investigation, and everybody on base is like, Oh, Alexander's on investigation. He's gonna go under, blah, blah, blah. I didn't I didn't care regardless, because it was like, what, kick me out. I'm still gonna keep making videos, or keep me in, I'm still gonna keep making videos. And one day I came to work. They said, we have an admiral coming in today for a check ride. And I, everybody was panicking. Oh, shit. So I got my books ready. Got the daily brief, you know, the, the underway brief ready. <clears throat> we go outside. We all get in ranks. And admiral walks out. His name's Charlie Brown, Admiral Charlie Brown. He's the chief of information. So he, he's in charge of all the media that's released from um, at America's Navy, at U.S. Navy, and All Hands Magazine. And um, <clears throat> he's like, hey, guys, guys, relax, relax. I'm just here to see MA2 Alexander. And I'm thinking, oh, fuck, I'm going to get kicked out or whatever. <laughs> they got he's like front and center. So I go out there and he's like, shook my hand. He's like, dude, I just wanted to meet you. I, I love your videos. I think you shine such a great light on the Navy. You just, you're an incredible uh, sailor, and I, we really love your videos at Chief of Information. And I was like, oh, thank you, sir. He gave me it. He gave me his, his admiral coin. And I get a call from the lieutenant from NCIS. He's like, hey, hey, don't, don't worry about the investigation. It's off. You know, you're good. So the admiral probably in reality had, had come down and uh, excuse said, uh, uh, let's be easy on that investigation let's uh yeah. the shredder over there let's let's go with exactly that. yeah and they just you know called off the investigation and i got an admiral coin and dude you I are living it. a crazy life out here like they're the rest 99 of the navy and people in it are just trying to like be under the radar just take it nice and easy no unnecessary attention and you are just like spitting in all those people's faces i yeah, love that that is so funny there, I had gotten to the point where people, you know, we would drive the boats down to San Diego and very, very hefty task. Like, I mean, driving, driving two hours down with this big ass, you know, 6,000 pound boat on the back of an, a Dodge 350. It was a big task. It was dangerous. It was a dangerous route. I was were pretty much port security. Is that what you were doing? Uh, yeah. Harbor security. Yeah. Okay. So our mechanics were down in San Diego. 
So I was pretty much the only person that would take take the task. You know, I used to pull lawnmowers behind on a trailer. So I said, hey, let me, you know, let me drive the, the trailers. It was a good way for me to get out of work for the day. And I was pretty much the only person that would take that liability. Those boats are not small. Like no. they're not, and it's they're hard to stop. You have to start stopping like a hundred yards before you want, or your truck will go through mm-hmm. a bridge or whatever. Wow. It's a it's a dangerous route. Um, <clears throat> so I would drive to San Diego back and forth and whatnot. And when we were getting the boats looked at and worked on, we would go to McDonald's and and like Starbucks, maybe the BX, and people would recognize me. Um. Hey, I'm Chief So and So. I I've seen your videos, and I don't think you should be uh, wearing that belt. Or I don't. I think you should, you know, out, just random stuff. And I'm just talk to my chain of command. You know, I Chief. Honestly, I don't really care. Talk please, talk to my chain of command. If you want to, you know, if you're trying to get me in trouble, talk to my chain of command. Because I knew I was invincible through my chain of command. Because they're gonna say, well, Admiral, you know, Brown came down here and. There's nothing really we can do about it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but people yeah. would try to chiefs and LTs and even master chiefs and senior chiefs would always try to tell me something or flex or a lot of them said they liked my video, so that was good. But a lot of them were like, "Who's your Who's your chief?" I would say Chief Fasica or uh, Chief Mantle. You know, give him a ring, you know, because I knew I was kind of like invincible. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever have a point where you're like, you know what, I'm, this is like too much. I think I'm just going to stop. Or by the time you start catching heat, you're so big that you're like, what, like I'm making way more with YouTube than with the Navy. Well, so Honestly, it wasn't really, it wasn't the money thing. I just wanted to be <coughs> loyal to my audience, keep providing a good <coughs> experience from them, uh, for them. And I just wanted to keep creating. And it wasn't like, a, oh, I'm rich. Y'all can't touch me. It was more like a, I would just really like to continue making these videos. And, you know, I was still respectful of what people would say. And I was still, <clears throat> you know, hear them out if they had something to tell me like, hey, you need to do a video about this or you need to <clears throat> do this, you know, be respectful about it. Um but after the admiral came down so it was more calm and relaxed yeah does that answer your question it it does absolutely all right for sure how do you uh how would you recommend people maybe that are in that are like maybe trying to get into this space or something similar trying to build something for themselves, build um, what we call like maybe a personal brand, but are in the military. How do you recommend people toe that line while like staying within, you know, not just going out and getting in trouble purposefully and affiliating the Navy? Is it, is it just about know the rules and know what you can do? How do people do that? There are a lot of gray areas with social media and the military now, and they're starting to crack down on a lot of them. I don't think the Navy is because we have a pretty, you know, uh, social media conduct and ethics uh, book and rules. I recommend that you look that up um, to anybody that is in the Navy and they're, they're trying to go through a similar journey. 
be very familiar with the code of conduct and ethics on social media because there are a lot of gray areas that you want that you you can teeter really but there are a lot of hard written things that you cannot do and you need to familiarize yourself with those that way if somebody says you know you can't be posted in uniform you can come back and say well chief that's not true i don't receive anything monetarily valuable or i don't receive any gifts or payment from this whatever and you know if you want to rattle off the oh check out the code of conduct section eight group three then, then the chief will be you know a little taken aback and he'll calm down because he understands that you know what you're talking about i mean that was me all the time um <clears throat> So be knowledgeable with a with a code of ethics and social media. Be confident in what you're doing. Don't never back down and say, I'm sorry for posting that video, blah, 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 because it insinuates that you think what you're doing is wrong. <clears throat> always believe that you are in the right and always do do right by the content that you create. And obviously, they're not going to allow an active duty person to get on there and say, well, let me tell you all what happened in my chain of command today. This chief. <clears throat> Uh, uh, is a shitty leader and blah, blah, blah. They're not going to allow you to do that. So if you don't have anything nice to say while you're active, you don't say it. That's just a, that's just a rule. Yeah. I see a lot of um, dabbled in TikTok a little bit. And, and I think that you do as well. Um, and I want to talk to you about like platforms and what you think is valuable and maybe where the space is going. But I see a lot of people post on there like, this is not affiliated with people in uniform, like doing stupid dancing videos. Yeah. And like, I love those ones where uh, usually Marines, they like do like a cribs episode of their barracks. Like yeah. that's classic. It's so yeah, good. See that, that, that's good content right there. I just don't like when women sexualize the uniform, you know, it's not, oh, yeah, it's yeah. not something that you, you, you can do. It's, it's lame. It's not cool. It's, you know, well, and I think to, to kind of go back to like how to get started, one thing from my own personal experience, like I had tried to kind of like get into streaming on Twitch when I was in the military. And I think, uh, and I kicked myself for this, just like having thick skin, you know, it sounds like, like you'd handled it way better than most of us, most people would. And especially me, like I'd streamed some gameplay, like video games on Twitch a handful of times and before you know it like people in my squadron are you know busting my balls about it and i'm like eh, okay like i'm just it's not worth it like i'm just gonna stop where had i just like had thick skin and like kept going i'd be like four or five years into it now now who knows where i would be with it yeah. you know what i mean um so maybe just kind of blocking out blocking out the haters if you will <laughs> exactly. yeah. you, you definitely have to have thick skin i mean regardless the when you start putting out content or putting out a product that's, you know, a digital, like some type of digital content, <clears throat> the first person, the first people that will say something are going to be the ones that are closest to you, the ones that know you. And it's sad to say, but I mean, I went, I went through the same thing, you know, some, sometimes like people knew that I didn't care at work, but <clears throat> closer friends from back home or friends that I've made at another command. They would reach out and be like, oh, so you missed her YouTube famous now, blah, 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 trying to post and be cool. Those are the worst, man. Like, yeah. oh, Well, and that's, yeah. that's what stings the most, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like Thunderpants29 on YouTube. Like, who gives a shit yeah. what you have to say? Yeah. But, like, 
when your buddy Jason is reaching out to you, telling you that it's stupid, that's what like stings. You know what I mean? It's a tough one. So yeah, it happens. You just gotta be confident in what you're doing. And you know, people are not going to have nice things to say about it. Some people are, but you just got to not give a shit. That's what's been the most freeing in my entire life is don't care. Like somebody calls me a name, don't care. Like Mm -hmm. it's something that I've learned is constantly having that shield up of like nothing can hurt me or nothing that you say can. Obviously, if my girlfriend said um, something like you're fucking trash and you're ugly, it'd sting a little. Sure. I would get over it and I would say. Well, your hair looks like doo-doo or something. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> Shut yeah. up, big head. <laughs> yeah, just, just go into it and, and just think humoristically about it so you can come back with snark and, and um, you know, sarcastic comments. And I just build it into sarcasm. Like, if I get a comment nowadays, I'm like, oh, well, that's what your mom said last night. Huh? Or something like that. I I think that that's like one of the most powerful things. And I, I think that that really clicked for me when I got out was like truly just not giving a shit what somebody thinks of you. The difference of, I think, attitude from when I was in and like wanting to be not necessarily Mr. Popular, but you definitely like want people to like you versus a couple of years down the road. Now I'm like, you like me or you don't like me. You either like the content that I put out or you don't because I'm going to keep me. I'm going to do me either way. It's, you know, you're, you're nothing. Yeah, you're going to say thing. your mom jokes. Yeah. <laughs> your mom is fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, I guess, how do you know then what feedback to consider? Um, you know, like you talk about your girlfriend maybe calling you ugly or something like that. But um, one thing that I kind of wanted to like hash out is like your views on platforms. Um, you held a podcast for some time. Um, the the latest episode that you had on it, you were talking about like, uh, don't think we're going to do this anymore. Obviously, you were getting some kind of feedback at some point that suggested that that wasn't maybe your your channel or your medium of how you wanted to to produce content. So I guess, how do you decipher what is just kind of like noise that you need to to work through versus, hey, no, like I'm actually, this is telling me I should not do this. There was no, I mean, we had great feedback on the podcast. It was probably, you know, one of the best forms of content that people love, but it was taken too much time and it was taking my focus off of the battle bunker and my YouTube channel, which is the bread and butter. I have a problem with trying to chase too many things at one time. And I realized that I was doing that with the podcast. So it was, first of all, I started off with, I was putting a lot of energy into getting guests on and it got to the point where I didn't want just anyone. I needed people that can speak well on, on camera and to the microphone. And there were, all in person, which made it even tougher. And it was taking away my creativity from my YouTube channel. And I realized that I need to be producing battle mugger episodes and regular episodes on my YouTube channel on a regular basis. And the the podcast was just something else to think about. So there was 
even if somebody said, Hey, you need to quit doing that podcast. I mean, when I first started, some dude was like, this is trash. You need to speak up. You need to have more tonality and you need to have more emotion in your voice. And I just took that as, okay, you know, maybe he's right. So, um, if it's constructive, even though if it burns a little bit, I will take it into consideration because I know that some of <coughs> that criticism can be valuable, but if it's destructive, <clears throat> like, Hey dude, you're fucking garbage. You're, you know, this is shit content, but then it never mention a reason why just disregard. Yeah. I think that that's, I think that that's right. Having an open mind, but like not too open, uh, like to just yeah. take anything. <clears throat> Well, being able to like, so, de like, like you said, just deconstruct, take the, your trash out and just look at the, Hey man, speak up, maybe yeah. have a little bit more like inflection in your, in your voice, show a little yeah. bit more emotion. Uh, okay. That's useful stuff. Your trash. Okay. Just like move on your mom's fat. Like whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just extract the constructiveness and, you know, disregard the destructiveness. Mm -hmm. If you if you had to start today mm -hmm. at 120 follower or 120 subscribers again, would you start again today? Or do you think that you kind of like caught the wave, so to speak on YouTube? Or are you like, no, I'm doing it. I'm hundred percent. Like still no, going. 100%. I'm doing it hundred percent. I love creating. I love uh, being able to build it into a story, you know, and obviously every video doesn't perform as well as the next or the, the previous ones, but <clears throat> um, it's still a, a very interesting thing to me. And, I'm, and right now we're working on average view duration, click-through rate, more interesting topics and titles. We're kind of switching out of military fitness only because that's, that's the most highest performing videos on my channel um, because it's what I've produced the most. <clears throat> so now it's going to be more type um, general fitness. I mean, I'm, I'm going to put the, I'm working on a project with the Marine Corps very soon in the Rangers, but I'd like to, you know, drop those every, every so often and then continue with normal fitness content when I can. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about, I guess, just battle bunker in general? What is it? Um, yes the the direction that you're trying to go with it maybe where you see yourself in a couple years yeah so the battle bunker is a fitness competition series that's that's digital series for now we take athletes creators and occupations and put them through military style fitness events and we so far for season one we we've, we've shot 19 episodes we have a show on snapchat we have we put the videos on Facebook as well as YouTube, obviously. We've got a little over 41 million top snap views on Snap, a little over 7 million views on YouTube, and about 6 to 7 on Facebook. So the shows, it's picking up even in our first, you know, um, first season. And I built the Battle Bunker because... I was thinking, well, am I just going to keep wrecking myself for these YouTube videos or can I have somebody else do it and me be the host? So, and I, I like hosting. I like kind of, like I said, controlling the way the vibe is going. If it's, you know, aggressive or if it's emotional or sad or happy or exciting, 
I like being the host that conveys that to the audience. So yeah, a lot of my content to perform was, was on the Marine Corps, Marine Corps officer course. So I said, you know, what? I'm going to stop sneaking on at Camp Pendleton because they're going to catch me one of these days and I'm going to build my own obstacle course to shoot on. And that's what I did uh, throughout the year of 2020. I started building it in October and I was done by November. We had our first first episode shot by like mid-November. <clears throat> Is there ever like a type of video that in your head you're like, man, I would really love to make this video. Like this is something that interests me, but I know it's not going to do well, or I know it's not going to hit the algorithm. So I need to stick with this. Yes. All the time. And sometimes <laughs> I force myself just for my sanity to create a video that I know is not going to do as well, but I, I need people to still know that I'm a human and I'm not just this big military guy that does fitness all day. You know, so I involve other aspects of my personality in there. We posted two videos recently. I got Chef Rush, Army veteran, to try ballet with me. I thought that was going to be a, a big hit, but for some reason, the audience and YouTube just hated it. And I really, I thought that video actually was was super funny. It looked <laughs> uh, nice in the tights. Yeah, man. You. you and Chef both both filled out those tights nicely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I, I thought the video was going to do better, but they just bombed for some reason. Um, it's impossible for me to know what's going to do, like, well, when we're shooting different type of content like that. But it happens, you know. Well, yeah. and it's funny, too, that you say that it, that it bombed because I think when I was looking at it the other day, it still had, like, a couple hundred thousand views. No, it's, it's right now it's got, like, 15,000. Like it's oh okay good. maybe maybe I'm getting it confused with something else I got you yeah okay somebody like well, me fifteen thousand views seems like a lot but I obviously seven hundred and what two thousand yeah. subscribers like that's not yeah. that's not how how your videos typically perform yeah I got you and a lot of people subscribe for the like intense fitness challenges so I think they just <laughs> saw ballet as not not as interesting I'm not sure sure. Well, and I think that you touched on something earlier where you're uh, you want to show like kind of a more personal side to like the brand and whatnot. And that's how I came to find one of your uh, videos. I think you released about a month ago talking about getting out of the Navy and like what that transition has been like. And my buddy was like, oh, like you, uh, you should check this out. Like this is a lot of what you guys talk about um, to kind of, I guess, maybe start to close out here. Want to be respectful of your time what you want to talk a little bit about that video the your transition out of the the navy and um how has that been a good thing what does that mean for for battle bunker and and i guess you going forward yeah i um the video in case users haven't seen it it's talking about <clears throat> transition out of the military how it's been tough you know the first year i'm sure it was the same for you guys as well it's it's it was hard to find the rhythm again. It's hard to get going in a, a consistent schedule, and it was just tough for me. And I talked a little bit about that. What does that mean for the battle bunker? I mean, I started the battle bunker at probably the worst time. You know, I was <laughs> it intimidated me a lot because it was a lot of money. It was a random idea that I hoped was going to work. <clears throat> I was spending like. A decent amount of money on the obstacle course and the production and whatnot and 
I was also going through a, a tough time getting getting out of the Navy. When I when I went to go build the battle bunker, some days I would just fall asleep in my truck because the idea and the work I knew I had to do was so daunting to me. It forced me back into my shell, back into you know my truck, and I would just go out there because I feel like I had to be out there. But when I was actually out there, I would just kind of fall asleep in the truck because I, I didn't know where to start, what to do. Um, <clears throat> I've since overcome that, and I feel like, you know, I feel better now than I have in probably 10 years. My my energy's high, my, my motivation is good, and for the Battle Bunker, it just means keep producing, producing good episodes, produce good videos that people want to watch and people want to follow along and keep building it. <clears throat> What do you think has been the biggest contributor um, to a couple things? Like what what single thing has helped get you to that point again where you're you've got the energy and you're ready to attack it? Um, life and just your fitness YouTube channel. Uh, is there? Can you point to any one thing that other people should maybe look to to kind of get that inspiration back after your transition? Yes. Uh, a good friend of mine, Demi Bagby, recommended this to me, and she's only she was only twenty at the time, which is crazy. She's a very smart smart woman. She said, um, "Dude, you need to have an anchor in your day." She's like, "You need to have something something that depends on you, or you depend on it to to support you and and be your anchor in the day." And I was like, "You know what? You're exactly right." When I was in the Navy, my anchor was getting to work at five o'clock in the morning, and <clears throat> Me waking up feeling like I had nowhere to be, nothing to do, it was just throwing my whole schedule out of whack. So I committed to an anchor. I said, okay, you know, during the week, I'm going to be at the gym at 6.30. I'm going to be done. I'm going to be sitting at my desk at 8, ready to work, 8 a.m. And a few days of that, and I just felt great. I was getting work done. I was motivated. I was, <clears throat> I was knocking up these projects out, and... I said, that's, that's what it is right there. And, and anchor helps you out a lot. So if you can meet a friend at the gym, if somebody can, you know, call you every morning at six and be your anchor, or if you can make yourself show up at the gym at six, six thirty, you know, something early in the morning, or if you can, you know, something as simple as taking your dogs for an extended long walk, it's going to anchor your day and allow your, the rest of your schedule to, to fall into place a little a little easier so i think of the anchor as like a pin on a piece of paper like a push pin in the wall on a piece of paper without that pin that paper is going to flow everywhere and eventually hit the ground but with that pin you know the the paper is able to rotate on the wall and you're able to get stuff done but it's not moving from that pin that's that's what i think of when i think of anchor i think that that's good advice kind of get some kind of routine going or it doesn't have to be a sub yeah. super structured thing but just one thing i think a lot of people are really daunted by like high performing people i guess generally they're like like goggins or uh you know any of those guys they're like don't sleep wake up push through the suck fuck you yeah. like just yeah. get, you know all this <laughs> stuff they're just yelling and you're like i i can't do that like I, right. that's not me but I, I think that that's something super doable. Even um, you know, I did an interview with with Jocko Willink with All Hands. You know, Jocko gets good sleep. He gets 
probably six, seven hours of sleep. That's what he needs. Even though he wakes up at four thirty, he goes to bed early. You know, so that's just like that's what I was saying. Like before we started recording, was I might wake up at eight, but I'm going to bed at, at two or three. You know, um, yeah. so yeah, that's it's, it's essentially just like have somebody depending on you or somebody that you depend on them, and so now you're not you're not letting somebody down by not going to the gym or not taking your dogs for a walk or yeah, it makes sense to me, and I I think. I think for me, like when I got out, that was a little bit easier. Cause I have, I have my wife and I have my kids. So like they depend on me, but maybe having something like outside of that to get you up and moving because my wife is a lazy bones. She likes to sleep. So nothing, nothing. I'm not waking up early to do anything for her. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I know we're, we're definitely trying to close out here. The last thing I have for you is what kind of advice would you give to somebody that's maybe just getting out or they're in um, and they want to start YouTube? You know, I, this is kind of a selfish question because I know we've, we've talked about it a little bit and I'm, I'm most interested in it, but um, somebody like me, you know, I'm, I'm out, I have 500 something subscribers, like where, how do you, how do you go from there? What kind of advice do you have to start out? Okay. So we'll start from somebody that wants to start because you've already started. My sure. advice to them is just to start. I'm sure you you haven't learned um, as much as you have learned by just posting, right? Posting, looking at the analytics, seeing the audience response and building your own knowledge behind that. Um, it is important specifically on YouTube. And if you think about it, every other platform uses audience view duration. Like if people are watching a good amount of the video, chances are they like it. That's what they use to promote. So any tactic that you can use to get people to stick around for longer, whether it's TikTok, you know, TikTok is you got to be fast on TikTok to get people to to stick around or it has to be really interesting. Um, use that to your advantage. So make the content as engaging as you can, obviously, and just continue to post. You're not going to learn nearly as much as you're going to learn from just posting. So think of an idea. Stop procrastinating. A lot of people say, oh, I need a big ass camera. I need a black magic. I need a Rode video mic pro plus. I need an HDMI cable and I need blah, blah, blah. You don't need all that. If you like, I filmed my first few videos on an iPad because I was too lazy to get my camera out and just start record a video. You're not going to like the way you look. You're not going to like the way that you talk. Just get it out there. If it's good information, people are going to like the video. Now, in your case, go look back at, like, if you've already started and you're trying to optimize, go look back at the back catalog and look at your highest viewed video. You look at the analytics. You say, why does this have this many views? Was it the click through? Was it that average view duration? And you try to duplicate it with a different subject. So you do gaming, right? I do. Yeah. What type? Um, typically first person shooters is okay. that's, but I also do like on my YouTube, I, it's mainly like tech, like reviews, how to do something. Hey, this is how you fix this problem. That kind of thing. Okay. So if you did a, a review, let's say on best microphone of 2021, it has 27,000 views. It may be smart to look back and say, okay, let's do a best microphone 2022 because the format works, make the thumbnail very similar, and you just continue feeding off of that. So you can post a bucket of completely different content, and you kind of lean into which one 
the audience or people on YouTube want to see. That's what I did. You know, I was poking, I was posting a big, big bucket, and then it kind of centered around military fitness tests and military events and challenges. So that's the route that my YouTube channel went. Same for you. You you want to be able to silo your content so you can build that audience and make sure your audience is is watching the content. So yeah, hopefully that helped. No, it does, man. I I really appreciate that. Thank you. No problem. Very cool. Well, Austin, this has been really great, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people go to follow along with you, Battle Bunker? Um slash <laughs> um white lightning. Oh man, I love that. That sounds like a 70s radio station. Now we're gonna play yeah. some white lightning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, um, if you just go to YouTube, it's uh, Austin Alexander, A-U-S-T-E-N, or Instagram, it's Austin Alex, A-U-S-T-E-N Alex. Very cool. Well, and we'll put the links to those in the, the show notes. Austin, thanks so much, man. This is awesome. Yeah, of course. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. Thanks. Nice to meet you guys. Yeah, very nice to meet you, man. Thanks again. Thank you.